episode four of season two of the Well Said Podcast. We are four weeks in. How are you feeling, man? Are you feeling like a podcaster yet? Yeah, I'm almost uh, contemplating on getting a mug that says World's Best Podcaster. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you can find it at, at, at the, Spencer's uh, Gift. At Spencer's <laughs> Gift, yeah. <laughs> That's an office reference for those of you who didn't catch on. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, as we're coming right out of the gates swinging, we are going to be talking about uh, entertainment and movies specifically. So Yeah, and how that connects to our mantra or what we always talk about on the Wellshead Podcast, which is following Jesus in a post-Christian culture just connecting truth with reality because sometimes it seems like those things don't really connect in our world but even in our day and age truth is just as real just as powerful in every single day that we live and that's what we're trying to connect yeah and i think one of the things that we as a younger generation of christians are longing for is a more tangible experiential version of christianity so before we dive into all the good stuff we're going to talk about today what is new with you this week? Happy birthday to you. To Levi. Don't worry, to I'm not going to sing the whole song, but it is Andre's actual birthday, as well as my own son's, my firstborn. It is their birthdays today, and if you thought I was dedicated recording on my wife's birthday, think about Andre recording on his own birthday and me on my son's birthday. There it's you just, go. This is just a loaded day yeah, full and of you, joy. Yep, and you've got two very dedicated podcasters here today (laughs) Um, no thanks man yeah that's it is my birthday i'm 28 i'm feeling the 20s are sliding away it's scary yeah 30 is two years away 30 you know that's it life is over oh my goodness it's scary but um i guess there's this sense of urgency with every passing year yeah urgency to grow and learn and urgency to do so Mm -hmm. i don't know that, that's the week. Cool. So is that what's new for you today, since we're always on birthdays? I know. Especially it's in a birthday kind of season, huh? So what are we talking about today, Max? So we're going to lighten up the mood quite um, As promised. differently yeah, from, from last week, and we're going to be talking about movies. And this is not something that I'm really that keen to, especially since I married a woman, a lovely, lovely lady who does not really enjoy movies. And so I have been uh, a lot less um, in tune with my movie side, my movie critic side, but I definitely enjoy them, as Andre has pointed out today. Yes, yes. I think no matter how much you deny it and no matter how much your wife doesn't really like movies, which is totally cool, you know, everybody's got their preferences, but you're a movie-loving guy. Yeah. You like, I mean, you love movies. You love good movies. Yeah. Which, you know, it's funny. That brings us kind of to our first question. Why does it sometimes feel wrong or, like, you feel bad to say that you like movies? You know, you're almost, like, uh, hesitant. Especially in our conservative Christian context. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think there's that tension. Uh, Is this this an unspiritual thing to say, that I enjoy movies? Um, What do you think? Why, Why do we feel this tension? Is this a good tension or not a good tension? I think the reason we have such a negative connotation with it is because there's such a wide range of what that means. Like when you say, I love movies, or I I really love to watch a good movie, that can mean so many different things. It's almost like saying, I had the best cup of coffee in the entire universe today. Mm -hmm. Like that is so broad that it's, uh, people just don't believe it in a way. And it's hard to decipher if that is a a positive or a negative, that you really love movies, because there's so many different types of movies, there's different genres, there's... Obviously, movies that are 
that aren't edifying to your right. faith, that aren't edifying to your uh, walk with Christ. Right, and obviously this also connects to a Christian tension and skepticism or a suspicious perspective that Christians often hold in relationship to culture, right? So especially yeah, conservative-minded Christians, you know, there's has been tension where we live in a tension in our relationship to the culture. Should we be friends? Because the Bible says you can't be friends of the world. Well, what does it mean to be friends with the world or, or a friend of the world if I'm partaking in all these aspects of culture? So there's this tension. Yes, no. There's some good things. There's some bad things. How do we navigate that, right? So, yeah, the other thing is, obviously, we live in a culture that is, as, you know, the famous, I think, book by Neil Postman states that we are amusing ourselves to death. Entertainment culture is a destructive component of our culture. So, for sure, uh, movies perhaps contribute to that. Uh, There's a lot of dirt in the film industry. There's a lot of very, very bad stuff that you shouldn't be consuming, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But you can't say that every aspect of human culture is completely ruined, right? When we as humans, especially when we create things, our creativity is always going to have aspects of our fallenness and sinfulness and aspects of our glory as image bearers, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there have definitely been major movements within Christianity that are highly over-skeptical of entertainment and film to the point where it's a legalistic, fear-driven approach. That's actually a funny story. One that I've heard in church a lot, too, is that if you're caught in a theater during the rapture, that you won't <laughs> is go Jesus going to take you to that, heaven? Yeah, that you're not yeah. going to heaven. Yeah. Like, that's just like a given. Like, as soon as you walk through those doors, <laughs> that's, that's it. it. You've, so. you've taken off your, your salvation... Um, membership and left it at the door yeah which is interesting that you point that out is that is totally like a fear uh driven approach approach to this question it's taking all these different things and it's always trying to insert fear 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 instead of explaining looking at it from different angles you just uh take a story that is basically going to scare you straight away from it yeah the short answer is as christians we're never ever ever supposed to be guided by fear we're always supposed to be guided by biblical conviction and confidence and we're supposed to own our positions you know don't want to spend too much time talking about that question because i'm honestly pretty excited to talk about the specific group of movies that i want to talk about today which is the film uh work of christopher nolan the movies that you've probably heard of are movies like dunkirk uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, Interstellar, Inception. Why are these movies so good? There's a certain aspect to his movies, and uh, there's something that, that so... binds them together. Yes, something that they have in common. Yeah, they really speak of the artist very well. It's mm-hmm. almost like uh, an album from one artist, where there's all these different, different songs, songs. Yeah, but good. they're all very similar, and they reflect the actual artist. In the same way, a lot of these movies. Although they're different, and one's, you know, World War II, one's almost like a, I don't know how you say fantasy, not fantasy, but, you know. Science fiction. Science fiction. There's, like, one about space. There's, they're not all just one setting, you That's know. True. They're all, I'm he's a Western guy, you know, and he just makes Western movies. But you can still see his thought pattern throughout all these different settings, throughout all these different movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I listened to an interview today, a couple of interviews, It's actually, he's a really interesting guy to listen to. He's a very thoughtful, very intentional 
very clear-minded guy. Uh, and you can see that in the movies. His movies are very purposeful. He is intentionally asking questions in his movies that are challenging the perspective of the viewer. And that's one of the things that I picked up on one of his interviews is he said, you know, I'm constantly drawn to this tension of the fact that we all live in the same world, the same physical reality, but we all can have such different experiences of it. And I want to challenge people's perspective. I want to ask hard questions that make people see things in a different way. And I think what I particularly appreciate about these movies is because they're not just pure eye candy. They're not just entertainment. All these movies have core themes, themes that are connected to foundational life questions. Who are we? What is the meaning of life? Where did we come from? Where do we go after we die? What makes all this worth it? These questions are always being asked in his movies in really beautiful, profound ways. And I'm like, man, that's cool. You know, that's that's amazing. Yeah, so although he is secular, it's almost a gift to Christians. Right. That a person like this exists in our culture, uh, that through the means of art and creativity can almost hedge the way for us to ask these questions or for people to think about this in our culture. So that's actually a blessing. Like, we can, we can think of it in that same way, right? Right. And I think this actually brings up something that... I think is really needed in, in terms of emphasis when we think about movies as Christians, but not only as Christians, but as human beings. And one of the problems with our society today, the problem is not the entertainment. The problem is not the art. The problem is not all the good things that we make, the pretty things that we make. The problem is this mindless, indiscriminate, thoughtless consumption. Just consume, consume, consume. Just sit in front of the screen and just take it in without reflection, without meditation, without asking questions without engaging, you know? That's really where the danger is at uh, because that's where we start to lose our mind and we start to be mindlessly impacted by the surroundings rather than asking questions. So that's a question I was, I was thinking about. So if I'm, if I'm thinking through this stuff, what are some of the big core questions that some of these movies are asking? Just jumping through, if, if we're telling our listeners look, one of the most important things that you need to do is not necessarily stop watching movies, but start actively watching them and asking very careful questions why you watch what you watch, what are you consuming, and what kind of story is it telling you? So speaking of all these principles, Interstellar, Inception, Dark Knight, Dunkirk, let's talk about some of the big stuff in these movies. What jumps out at you? What did you think was some of the most important ideas, questions being asked in these movies? Well, one of the things I think in all of these movies that we can see is they're really going to the heart of humans and our needs and our longings and our desires in different ways, right? So Inception, you take that even, there's it kind of exposes this uh, layering of complexities of life, right? right. There's, there's certain layers, like we were talking about uh, mental... Yeah, the heart, there's just layers to it. There's not just that one physical aspect... You see an inception that that same idea rolling through there that it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and yeah. that the ideas that are fed to the subconscious say like how they say it or yeah. to those layers of a human they have a profound effect on who they will become or what they will do or the decisions that they will make mm-hmm. so he's he's admitting that the deep layering of the human heart in inception yeah. in the same way yeah. in interstellar He's going into these uh, core principles of relationships, of being human, mm-hmm. of feeling 
human longing longing love yeah those those uh things that only humans feel in a mm-hmm. way and where i mean it was just such a beautiful way of portraying the fact that you know matthew mcconaughey being a the the main actor he was basically having to to forfeit that that which he was trying to gain in mm-hmm. a way so like to try and keep his family Mm-hmm. and and save that love and save humanity he had to go away from it or separate from it right. and then you see that tension that longing that distance between them and your and your heart kind of connects with yeah. that your heart connects with that in emotion in in that feeling of being a human that's what it means mm-hmm. in the dark night where throughout all of these he's showing the human heart and he was saying that you know we are capable of good mm-hmm. that deep inside our morals or our character or us, our connection of being human mm-hmm. will will pull us through eventually, right? I mean, look at the... He admits, the, he admits the reality of justice. Yeah. That justice is real and you can't deny it, right? And he, he, as a character, you know, the Batman, is trying to stand up for justice. But the other thing, in the midst of that, as he's trying to stand, he's also fighting an internal corruption, right? Like yeah. This yeah. temptation, like when the Joker is trying to make him abandon his rules. Mm-hmm. The Joker is... The big thing about the Joker is that he brings out the evil inside of you. Yeah. It's not that he's doing damage to the city itself only. It's that he's trying to corrupt the Batman who stands for justice and righteousness, right? Yeah, and he's trying to turn people against each other based yeah. on their inner inner self inner or their corruption. inner selfish desires like yeah. the scene on the on the two fairies, you know. He's making people choose, is it me or them? And so he's going down to the deep almost trying to bring those that evil out of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dunkirk is, is an amazing movie, too, um, about basically the human spirit in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, if you duty. look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the sense of service and duty that people have. A desperation, a, a, a beautiful um, conviction to keep fighting against all odds. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think just jumping back a little bit, couple of comments on interstellar it as you said he he's he's broken as a father to leave his family in order to protect them and i think what the movie is also doing is even as i turn on the soundtrack or what is it called the film score uh when i'm studying that's the most amazing film score by hans zimmer the songs the music they just evoke this feeling of longing this deep longing. And, you know, I think when he's leaving the family in order to save them and you're broken in your heart and you're, you have this experience of longing, there's a desire for us to break free of our limited little bodies, right? How can we transcend this? How can we break out of the limitations of this fallen world you know and Paul in Romans 8 says the whole creation groans to be set free from bondage you know Mm -hmm. so it's like that sense of longing is right there and you can see the writer Christopher Nolan he's he's accenting that you know he's showing that I think in Inception the deep layers of the heart the power of dreams and not just sleeping dreams that kind of dreams but the power of the heart that desires, you know, when they tap in and, and this son who had to be changed by, by planting an idea in his heart in relationship to his dad. So 
his desire to please his dad was the most powerful thing that can alter his whole life. Mm. It's a dream. It's a desire. How can I make my dad proud? And everything shifts. Everything hinges on this desire, this dream that's inside our dreams, you know? And, like, as mysterious as our dreams are, they are still reflections of the content of our hearts. So I think that's really cool. I mean, and all this, we're not just being, like, super deep and philosophical. This is all on the surface of the movie. This, this is, is what it's this right is there. what they are meant to do, yeah, right? Yeah, they're telling you a story. The movie is telling you a story. Are you are you listening to the story? Are you just wide-eyed, glassy-eyed looking at the the, the pictures mm-hmm. and the explosions, mindless, you know? Is there anything you wanted to add about maybe Dark Knight or or you I don't know, we Dunkirk. spoke about that a little bit, yeah. Dunkirk? With Dark Knight, I think that aspect of corruptibility that idea that justice is real that we must stand up for what is right but also we are so corruptible you know most of the characters in the enemies the villains in those movies they are corruptible villains so they are taking good men and making them evil Mm -hmm. and the corruptibility is in our own hearts in the third movie i think when good people all go and hide uh in their homes and the officer, the police officer who's brave and who's trying to stand up for justice, he's knocking on the doors of these like governors and stuff, and he's like, hey, come, aren't you going to do something? And he's like, just just hide. So he, they give in to fear, and in their fear, they, they, they become slaves of the corruption, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that tension of inside our hearts, there's always a sense of justice, but also a sense of corruptibility and corruption. So... Yeah, I mean, that's just lifting off the big ideas from some of these movies. But that's why I think these movies are so good, so satisfying, because you walk out and you're like, wow, man, that that makes me want to think about this stuff. Mm -hmm. I think one other thing that's uh, really powerful about movies is the mingling of arts. Mm -hmm. Like, if you think about it in a painting, there's there's almost just one aspect of the painting um, that brings out the beauty in that painting, right? The... Uh, the reflection of the artist. But in movies, you can have that mingling of film and acting and music. Mm-hmm. I mean, music mm-hmm. and film put together, I mean, that's just a whole nother thing. Right. And you mentioned Hans Zimmer. He he does most of the fil- film scores, if not all for, uh, for Christopher Nolan, Nolan yeah. yet, and his movies. And it's just so powerful what that music can do mm-hmm. and and the thoughts and the emotions that it can provoke in you after watching a good movie like this. Like, think yeah. about uh, Gladiator. I mean, most of you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. The music that, starts playing in that my head already. music, <laughs> yes, that, that score, especially right in the end where they yeah. say, who will help me carry him, you know, and, uh, and he's walking through the I'm field crying. of wheat, dude. And But the thing is, when we hear that music... It connects. It like connects yeah. this film and the emotions and the feelings and the maybe the hate that you had towards the emperor, you know, doing those wrong things, or the honor that you felt from uh, him fighting for his, you know, country for democracy and all this good stuff, and for his family and right. and that reuniting with his family. So it's so. I think film is so powerful and movies are so powerful because they mingle mm-hmm. that art and the creativity of music. And people's abilities to act and to show and and basically just putting all that into action where we can, can like follow through and feel that. I was thinking about this exact thing this week. That really powerful art, it has the 
ability to make us feel very powerful things. That's mm-hmm. the idea of art, as opposed to academia or intellectual you know, endeavors, exercising our mind and our thoughts. Now, that does not mean that art doesn't exercise your mind. It's impossible to not think. We're always thinking. But the power of art is to really evoke powerful emotions, emotions that change us, you know. And that is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, in our culture today, we are a post-truth culture, and we want to skip thinking. Many times, we just want to feel. Um, And that's dangerous because we... We can't not think. We're always believing something. So if you turn off your mind and you stop thinking and you just consume feeling and experience, you are being manipulated into thinking false things. Either way, you know, your mind is always thinking. So it's dangerous to seek feeling at all cost. But at the same time, I think what movies can do, like Interstellar is a great example, sometimes it proves an idea through feeling. So as it evokes this powerful feeling, like this desire that there is something more than this, right? This Mm -hmm. desire for satisfaction. That desire, it's not like Hans Zimmer gets up there or uh, Christopher Nolan and proves an idea to you that says, hey, life is meaningful and here's I'm going to prove it. No, no. He he puts on a film that evokes a desire and you can't deny Mm -hmm. that we are born for something bigger. You know, and then you remind you're reminded of these lines from like C.S. Lewis, where he's like, you know, if I find in myself a desire that I cannot satisfy in this world, I can only conclude that I am born for a different world. I am mm. made for a different world, really a bigger good. world. So that's what movies. I think that's what art can do. It evokes these desires, these affections, these longings that point us to the big picture, the transcendent, the eternal. And so that's the power of feelings. And the danger of feelings, though, is just to desire to feel and to become creatures of desire and, and to devolve down to animals, you know? I do it because it feels good. I just do it because it feels good. And that is definitely present in our culture today. Yeah. Well, especially in the, even in the movie industry, you see that there's movies that are of both types. And the basically the ones that are just geared towards invoking emotion without thought are just one-hit wonders. Right. You know, you, you think about things like, I mean, what is the... Trans, Transformers. Mm. I mean, come Pure on. garbage. I, I watched the first one, and I was like, there, the plot was just absolutely terrible. Non-existent. And non-existent. And, and the thing is, people people aren't dumb. You know, our culture isn't stupid. So... After a few movies, like, you look at the reviews on that, like, the what is it, the second or third one? People are like, this is just, this is trash. But it makes money. Yeah, but it makes money. But the thing is, they have a different goal. It's that one-hit wonder thing again. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, a lot of explosions. Let's make a lot of things make you, you know, feel for the next one so yeah. that you're in the next one. I feel like those movies are geared towards that specific audience, you know, that quick emotions and feelings without really the the thought the thought yeah. process those are the movies that don't really st- stand the test of time right it's like it's like gas station nachos they're very shiny and the yellow cheese is oh, glistening boy. right <laughs> it has been for the last 8 months <laughs> uh, yeah you bite into it and maybe there's that half a second of whatever but but you promise yourself that you'll never, never touch it, it again, again. <laughs> but here you are Transformers 3 comes out and you're sitting in no. the seats, you know? Yeah. 
And you're eating the gas station nachos again. Yeah. So, and I think that's, you know, sometimes it's okay for us to have different tastes. That's fine. But I think what we want to show is, you know, as Christians, we are, our life is defined by a narrative, a story, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Jesus has come. He has worked victory over the fall and over sin, and he is coming back to judge the living and the dead. That is the story of the world. And... We are creatures of story, and we should love good stories. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But the question is, how do you engage? Do you, do you develop your sense of beauty? Do you sharpen it? Do you ask questions? As Christians, we must love beauty. And I think I was listening to a lecture earlier this week that pointed this out in a very powerful way. As Christians, historically, we've been really obsessed with defending the truth, right? Defending, defining, protecting the truth. But we have not been as good at cultivating and defending and proclaiming beauty. And why that's so important is because beauty is an inseparable attribute of God, and beauty is inseparable from truth, you know? And so we live in a culture right now that denies truth in many ways, but we, but we can't deny beauty. Nobody can ever deny beauty. And beauty gathers a crowd, And so I think Christians have been neglectful of the concept of beauty and its relationship to art and creativity. Why do so many people pay so much money to go to the movies? Because it captivates their hearts. Because a lot of the movies that are made today have a lot of beauty in them. And as Christians, we're supposed to be excited and we're supposed to be experts in beauty because we know where all beauty comes from. We know the God who is of the God of beauty, you know? And so I think... We're supposed to value. We're supposed to guard. We're supposed to jump in. We're supposed to be passionate about knowing beauty when it exists, pointing to it, engaging with it, and shaping beauty in our culture. And what that means is that Christians have to be very active in their engagement of the creative arts and of movies too. Movies have a lot of power to shape the imagination and the heart. There's something very powerful about the ability of a camera. You know, it directs your focus and, and of all the things that you can see as a human, like the camera lens focuses on this and says, hey, look at this, you know? And so mm-hmm. we're supposed to be good at seeing beauty and we're supposed to value beauty and we're supposed to be disciplined in discerning beauty and pointing to beauty. Um, and again, this goes back to this indiscriminate view, this, this thoughtless approach, because a lot of people, that's how, that, that makes me cringe when people talk about movies in a way where they just consume, consume, consume. It's like... It's like taking a delicious $90 steak dinner, throwing it into the blender, and sipping it through a straw. Oh, don't say that. that that's literally what you're I doing. Just, I just died you... a little. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's disgusting. That is what people do. When, that's what we do when we are consuming art and film and music without thinking about it. It's when we consume beauty without thinking about it. We're not pointing out. We're not deciphering. We're not pointing to the truth. And I think ultimately, when we think about the things that are beautiful and we engage our whole heart, everything, not just the feelings and desires, you feel deeper, you know? Mm-hmm. You get deeper feelings of satisfaction after a amazing steak dinner than after the nachos from, from AM, PM. Yeah. Um, so when we're looking for deep, you, we're all in the search for deep affection. We're all in the search for deep, soul-satisfying joy and contentment. We want that. But it's a lie to say that you don't need to think and pursue the truth. You just need to pursue feeling. 
because all the feelings that you will get when you do that are shallow. They're short, temporary answers that feel good today and feel, and they're gone tomorrow, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to connect truth and beauty. You can't separate the two. The most beautiful kind of stuff is the true stuff. And the most true stuff is the most beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. So we've made quite the case for Christopher Nolan. I know we might be running out of time here. But what about basically how discernment works in Christians? So not all movies are created equal, right? Like we Mm -hmm. just talked about. So is it the actual piece of, of beauty that we should be discerning of? Or is there a, some? Are there some movies? Or are there some uh, film that Christians just shouldn't be engaging in? Mm. I mean, I think in terms of boundaries, you know, yeah. you're always kind of asking how many slugs there are in the salad before you toss the whole salad. Um, if there's one or two slugs, you can still eat it. I mean, it, it's it, yeah, it's not my analogy. I borrowed it from somebody else. But um, in terms of, I think, explicit sexual content. To me, that's a no-brainer. You can't, yeah. you can't fake sexuality. That's not fake. You know, like John Piper said, the blood on the sc- and violence on the screen, the, the gunshots and, and, and the dead people, are, they're fake. They're not real. But the nudity is not. It's real. Yeah. You're watching real sin on display. Mm-hmm. Um, so y- you can't take in things that are going to corrupt your heart. Um, having said that, it doesn't mean that everything that we watch as Christians has to be G-rated because the whole Old Testament then cancels out. Um, we have to engage with the story. Yeah, we have no to kidding. ask, how, what is this author saying? What, it, what are these creators saying about the world? Mm-hmm. How true is it? How does this story line up to the real story? And you're always asking, what aspects of this story are true? What aspects of this story are false? So I think the most evil kind of movies are the ones that get you cheering for totally false things. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's where yeah. film has a power, right? You get swept up in the emotion, and you're like, wait a minute, that was totally evil. I should not have been cheering for that. Movies that blend the the difference between good and bad, movies that make um, goodness and beauty relative and that turn villains into good guys and turn good guys into villains mm-hmm. and back and forth. So they're making morality a relative thing, a concept. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those kind of movies mess with you, and you have to be aware of that, and you have to engage with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're trying to see... They're basically making truth a murky water to right. look through right? on purpose. Yeah. And the reason I brought that up, too, is just... Um, I think it's important to note that because we're not just saying, go watch anything, and just as long as you're thinking, as long as your brain is turned on... It's all good. Right. You know, but there is a sense of discernment that Christians need to have, not just with movies, but with everything in life. Mm-hmm. We should be we should be thinkers. We should be people who question. Yeah. Ultimately, that's what makes it more enjoyable mm-hmm. because you're tasting everything on purpose and you're saying, not only does this taste good, but that I know why it tastes good. Yeah. So that is a wrap for this week. Um, but before we close out, what are your recommends for the week? My recommend for this week is Flags of Valor. Um, I don't know oh, if you guys right. seen it in my yeah. picture or if you'll see in some of our pictures from the podcast. There's a nice wooden flag hanging behind me in my desk or in my office, and it's awesome. And it's a veteran-owned company 
great to support them. Uh, Flags of Valor, check them out if you really want a cool piece of art. My recommend for the week is The Rabbit Room. The Rabbit Room is a website where you're going to interact and see content from amazing artists and creatives all over the Christian landscape. Poets, writers, musicians, painters, uh, writing and thinking about what it means to be an artist for the glory of God. Mm. Really amazing resource. Check it out, therabbitroom.com. Just super inspiring, encouraging, and just kind of enlightening. That's cool. I definitely want to go there because I did not know about it before. Um, let us know what you guys think. Thank you so much for sending in your questions and your comments and your encouragements. Uh, yeah, this week it was really cool to hear. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Andre uh, before that it it's so encouraging to hear from that void mm-hmm. that you sometimes feel like you're talking to, like that giant foam board that's sitting in front of us, and right. that's the only people who are listening. But it's so cool to see God um, using our feeble minds and mouths to mm-hmm. uh, glorify Him. And thank you so much for... For encouraging us in that, uh, it, it definitely really helps. Send your ideas, send your questions in through the contact tab at wellsaid.org, well-said.org. Mm-hmm. Um, over there, you can also find more content from us, or you could just check us out on Instagram at the underdash well underdash or underscore said. And we have a Facebook page at well said words. We'd love to hear from you and uh, yeah, interact and more. If you have benefited from this podcast. Uh, from this episode, previous ones, send them to a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps people see the stuff better and find us and keep the conversations going. Yeah, thanks for tuning in.